What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome inside the Indiana Convention Center. Matthew Collar here for Purple Insider with Brad Spielberger for Pro Football Focus. Well, Brad, this is your 743rd appearance on the podcast. Great to have you back. And you'll never believe what we're talking about. You and I, Salary Cap, Kirk Cousins, it's your first time ever on this show talking about it. So hopefully you can keep up. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, l- let me just start out with this. Let me just jump right in hot. What do you think the Vikings are going to do at quarterback? I am starting to get the sense that this might be like the finally the, the, the situation where they move on. I just think that there are other teams across the NFL that are more desperate and more willing to give him, you know, let's say two years, 80 million with the lion's share of that fully guaranteed um, effectively all of it. Even if it's not all of it effectively making it impossible to move on. Um, like, I just think there are other teams, whether it's Atlanta, I think more people should be talking about Denver. Um that are in that market that I just don't know if Minnesota is willing to go there. Now, Kirk, you know, takes less and wants to stay in Minnesota, then maybe it gets done. But if his ultimate goal is getting the most money possible and the strongest contract structure possible, I think that happens elsewhere. Well, and I mean, he said it, that structure was going to be the most important thing. Explain that to me, though. When we talk about structure, I mean, guaranteed money, everybody understands. But is there more to that conversation? If you are the great Magic Mike McCartney, his agent, and you're negotiating this with the Minnesota Vikings, what what are you walking in asking for that isn't just the pure dollar figure that Adam Schefter is going to tweet out? Yeah, yeah. So so beyond the guarantees too, it's it's cash flows. So you want as much money as early as possible. So you know you want maybe a, a major signing bonus um, or a lot of prorated money early on because you're also if you're him probably saying all right this is the last window I have to try to chase a ring. You know, two year deal, throw on three void years, give me a gigantic signing bonus that I get. You know. The first three months of the deal, I'm getting, you know, on a two-year eighty, let's say like thirty million of that. Put that in a signing bonus. Um, spread that out. Spend around me. Add players around me. So yeah, it's also just when you're getting your cash, um, and then protection. So obviously, guarantees are protection, but also like we saw in Denver and, and other places, it doesn't mean you can't you know move off of it. So um, early trigger dates. So like the money in 2025 being guaranteed right away, not. A, a later date where it would kick in, hey, your 2025 guarantee would kick in the first week of 2025. Like, no, like doing it all up front at the jump so there's no out for the team. How hard would that be to do for a Vikings team that needs so much? Just before we went on, we were talking about defensive tackle and how big of a need that is. They have a guy in Harrison Phillips who's more of a five to 600 snap player who they were asking to play borderline a thousand snaps last year, which is just, you know, I mean, they, they had to do it and I give him credit for trying, but Jonathan Bullard was playing Mm -hmm. 600 something snaps. Uh, They don't have defensive ends. And I did not get the vibe that hair or that uh, Daniil Hunter is coming back. You need a linebacker. I mean, there's so much to do here with the roster. How restrictive would it be to give Kirk everything he wants? Yeah, I think it becomes very, very tough because you are making Justin Jefferson the highest paid receiver in NFL history this offseason. Um, that's going to happen at some point. I'm not giving inside information. I'm just it's going to happen at some point, um, you know, and, and then like, you know, Darius House coming on the line. There are other deals that you have to figure out on the offensive side of the football. And that's the big thing for me is like the defense, like what Flores did last year was a modern miracle. I mean, the defense talent wise was as bad as it gets across the NFL. So and you're losing, you know, potentially, like you mentioned, is Daniel not going to be there? I know Wanham isn't a superstar, but Wanham is a 800 snap eater, like solid football player that like does matter, um, you know, on a defense. So 
yeah, it, it becomes really, really tough. I don't see how you significantly improve the defensive side of the ball. And teams are, well, we saw it already, are going to catch up to blitzing 60% of the time or dropping eight. Like, it worked until it didn't. And, and Flores, there's a ton of credit. But the gimmicks are, like, teams are going to adjust. What do you think about the dynamic between Kwesi Mensa and Kevin O'Connell here? Um, because it was my observation yesterday at the podium, and uh, as of right now, we're c- recording this. We haven't done our sit-down with those guys. We're going to do it a little bit later, so we'll have more information. But if you just uh, – I don't know if you've ever heard this comparison, but when uh, the Nixon-Kennedy presidential race happened, there's this famous thing about how if you watched on TV, you thought Kennedy did better. But if you listened, you thought Nixon did better. It might be a little bit of a myth, but it's always been this thing that's, that's brought up. If So the comparison would be if you listen to Kwesi Mensa and then you listen to Kevin O'Connell, you would have different opinions on what you thought was going to happen. If you listen to O'Connell, you'd think Kirk's coming back because he loves him and he thinks he can run his offense. But if you listen to Kwesi and he layered into his comments, you know, you need a guy who could play in structure and out of structure when things go wrong. You're like, oh, yeah, I can't think of any 36 year olds with Achilles injuries that are making great plays out of structure. And uh, then talking about, hey, it's a negotiation with Kirk. It's a negotiation. Um, What if there's a difference of opinion there? Like what happens if the head coach views this vastly differently from the general manager? I think that's the biggest thing is that it's hard for, I think, coaches to wrap their mind around, like, for the right price, this makes sense. There is a cutoff point where it no longer makes sense. And I think if you're a football coach you're trying to win football games and keep your job and, and you know, run your offense and, and all that, in your mind, it's probably easy to say, like, why would a, a difference of five, ten million dollars or X structure change, like, our desire to do that or not do that? And from a front office standpoint, yeah, it's more a holistic view. You are thinking about a million different decisions on the line and and fixing other areas. Not that Kevin doesn't care about the defense. I mean, they bring in a phenomenal defensive coordinator, a guy that maybe could be getting head coach looks again down the road. Obviously, a lot of dynamics there. But, um, like, they need to give that guy resources to use and and to work with. So I think there probably is a bit of a disagreement and a bit of a split there. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And what do you do if there is a split there? I mean, to me, the general manager is brought in uh, and this isn't trying to will it into existence, I promise. But the, the general manager is brought in to build a roster. He's brought in to be an economics master, right, to understand the value of his commodities. And I know that it's human beings, so we can't talk of it exactly that way because there are so many dynamics that go into this. And that's where. You have a decision that can break apart a duo when it comes to this. And this happened already between Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer over Kirk Cousins, where Mike Zimmer did not want Kirk Cousins and made that very clear to anyone who ever <laughs> inquired. And, uh, you know, we pin it on Rick Spielman. It may have been ownership. It may have been, you know, kind of the powers that be above, but he never really bought into that. And that dynamic broke apart that was very strong in building the first iteration, the one that went to the NFC Championship game. And this decision has that potential to kind of be a fork in the road with this relationship between Kwesi Adafomensa and Kevin O'Connell. But I also think with O'Connell, what's what's harder for coaches is they need to see it work, whereas a general manager, his job is to see into the future. So I can see into the future and say that Sam Darnold or Jacoby Brissett paired with J.J. McCarthy could do better things than a 36-year-old Kirk Cousins who's coming off of a very serious injury. But to a coach he's seen it work with, cousins he's seen them score points he's seen him run his offense and the last thing that he saw was kirk cousins looking absolutely great against the Mm -hmm. green bay packers and i think that that has impacted the the way that even kevin o'connell would see this situation so the moving parts go beyond just the x's and o's of uh the the numbers with quasi da fomenza uh they they go all the way to, I think, a kind of personal, like deeper level with this decision. And that that is why it's hard to figure out what's going to happen here. And I would say this, too, that if you want to say, all right, well, what if you're Kevin O'Connell, you say, all right, if we're going to move off from Kirk, then are you going to trade from 11 to three? Like, right. Like, like, what are we going to do then? Like, it's not, you know, 
this one decision has downstream effects that changes the entire complexion of the roster, changes how you run your offense. What you know, like, are, are you getting a rookie and building out the infrastructure to to bring that guy along? Have, have a veteran to work with him, and you know, I guess you know Mullins is in the fold, but that's the thing too. It's like, okay, well, if we're not going to pay him, then then what are we going to do? Um, and like, hey, Quizzy, I know you don't, probably don't love trading up three first round picks to go from eleven to three, but if we're not keeping Kirk, then that's what I want to do. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a it's a it's a tug and pull, and like. The thing is, you know, to a degree, we don't think and, and look at roster construction and winning football games this way. But like, these are guys where you have a good off season. Let's say you, okay, let's just say it's Kirk and they make the playoffs again. These guys are getting extended. Or let's say you take a rookie and he shows promise. Maybe you're like a wild card team, or maybe you're getting extended. If you make the bad decision, you might be getting fired. Right. And well, and. That exists for everything. And this is why I refuse to think that one thing is less fireable than the other if it goes wrong. In fact, if you draft the wrong quarterback like San Francisco did, but you find another one, you could avoid that potentially. Now, I'm not saying in the seventh round necessarily, but there have been other situations where you draft a quarterback uh, Tampa Bay drafts Jameis Winston. That's a bust. But then Tom Brady wants to play there because you've built up your team. Uh, and even with the Philadelphia Eagles, where you have Carson Wentz and he's a serviceable quarterback, you move on. You develop Jalen Hurts over a couple of seasons. But what's happening is you're building up this great team to where a lot of quarterbacks could succeed. And that's really the goal. The goal is to be so strong that like in 2017, your starting quarterback can go down and your backup quarterback can take you deep. That's the goal for a roster. And I don't see how it's possible at all to build that in a time window of Kirk Cousins. Because if this team looked like the roster of 2019 Minnesota Vikings, I would be like, okay, I get it. Extend him, take another shot at it. We'll see, you know, try to fix the left guard position or something. But it doesn't. And when you go through it and you compare what they have right now to what they had in that previous era where they did that, it's just so crazy different. There was pro bowlers all over the field, and now it's they don't even have players. They don't even have actual humans who fill those roster spots. So let's talk about two different plans, though, two different offseason plans, starting with if they are going to draft quarterbacks. So let's say Atlanta comes in and says $40 million a year, fully guaranteed for two years, and Kirk says, I'm going to ATL, baby, and starts playing outcast music. Uh Naturally. Naturally. Uh, I don't know that that's in his playlist, except for maybe Hey Ya. Probably Hey Ya. Hey Ya's in there. Hey but in there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the early stuff, definitely not. So anyway, but um, let's say that the Kirk leaves. Now, you mentioned trading up. I still like this idea, even though I know it's wrong. It's like when I go to Taco Bell again. I'm like, you know what? Is this bad? Yeah, this is bad for me health-wise. But I also, I really want to eat my Taco Bell, so I'm just going. I really want that franchise quarterback, so we're just going. Is is that an unwise way to look at it? From my personal health perspective, uh, it is with sure. the Taco Bell. But is it unwise to say, hey, number three is the New England Patriots. They want to trade out of that rather than picking a quarterback. Drake May is on the board. Let's go for it. Is that crazy to do? No, I don't. I, I think that the justification for a massive trade-up for a quarterback it, – it, it is worthwhile if you are and again we agree the defense needs help but if you're dropping a rookie quarterback into a situation with two good tackles and two good receivers and a great tight end like it doesn't get much better than what you could hypothetically give offensively to this guy he's got to figure out you know bring back Risner, figure out left guard whatever but it's about as good as it can get on the the offensive side of the ball in terms of what you're dropping a rookie quarterback into working with so I, with that context, like, no, it's not crazy. And, of course, people will point to the Trey Lance trade or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it didn't work out. But, but no, that swing, it, it's it's a swing you take. And, and then if you – all right, all that savings, obviously we're giving up draft capital, but all that financial savings is now being poured into the defense. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's how you go about it. I, I think that is – it's a justifiable approach. I agree. And, you know, when I look at it from a surplus value perspective of, uh, you know, when you draft a quarterback and if he succeeds, how much money that's worth. Uh, maybe even two, three years ago, we could have been saying, well, you know, if the guy is making 10 million a year as being a top draft pick, then you're getting like 20 something million from the top quarterbacks. 
now that number might be 30. It might be 40. If guys are going to make $50 million a year and the rookie contract is only going to put you for a salary cap hit for the number three overall pick at eight to 12 million or whatever it's going to be over those years, that is $40 million. And And I know that Yes, those other first-round picks would also have surplus value, but nothing in comparison to that. A defensive tackle. If you draft a defensive tackle and he's just okay versus finding one in free agency, that's not even close to what it is for a quarterback. And I also agree that when you can drop someone into a situation like that with Jefferson and the way that Addison played and the coach that you have who is – a guy who's worked very closely with quarterbacks his whole career. They just brought in Josh McCown. You cannot mm-hmm. fail with Josh McCown in the building. Uh, I mean, it just is all set up so well. And this has just become this has become my take after watching Drake May. I, t- I took some time and I sat down and I watched a couple games and I saw the things that people don't like. But I also saw a lot of Matt Stafford ish level. This dude has a crazy arm and he does some stuff where you're like, that's not good. But he has the touch on the fastball. He's got the deep ball. I mean, he, him and Justin Jefferson paired together, to me, look like a, the best pair you could come up with out of all the draftable quarterbacks. And if it takes moving up to get him, then take your shot because this franchise is known for not taking its shot. Yeah, no, no. And I think the thing with May um, is there are issues there, but to me, they're fixable. Like when you look at, okay, like what are the the pain points, the warts with, with a prospected quarterback? They're all going to have them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the bigger question is just, are these things that we think bringing a Josh McCown, have a Kevin O'Connell, that they can work through and fix in relatively short order? And I do think that's the case with May. Like don't make the ju- dumb decisions where you're Josh Allen running and taking unnecessary hits, which obviously he still, he still does, but... Mm-hmm. Bring that down. He drifts in pockets a little bit. Sometimes airmails balls with you know some like sloppy footwork, like things that like yeah you bring in and work on the fundamentals and the technique. And if that improves, you're talking about a very very talented player that has like you said. I mean, a cannon for an arm, good athlete, or throws in the middle of the field. It, like it takes risks. Honestly, the biggest difference. Like people keep making the Herbert comp, which I, I understand it, but he'll take risks. Like he, he he will throw a ball into a tight window, and which you need to do it sometimes. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's. There will be maybe a first-year struggle, but I think he's going to be a very, very good player. Yeah, I like Stafford more as a comp because he's reckless than right, uh, right, right. than uh, Justin Herbert, who won't be reckless. In right. fact, needs to be more reckless. Yes. Yeah. And the plan for the Chargers is to hand off more. That's and hire not a great offensive coordinator in Greg Roman. That's that's their plan. I'm not confident in it. Uh, the, make him more Alex Smithy with uh, San Francisco. I guess that would not be my idea for a fifty million dollar quarterback with that arm but that is someone else's problem to talk about uh so that plan would go along with then and any rookie draft pick plan would go along with you can spend as much money as you want now of course their 2025 cap situation is wonderful it's the pearly gates opening to heaven that they have been missing for so long in cap hell uh but this year they could sign people and structure contracts so they're a little more expensive down the road and that wouldn't hurt them because that's when their cap is going to be better if you are to draft a quarterback then how do you allocate that money because i i think they're going to have a very tough time wooing free agents on madden all you do is go to free agent click and then the guy just comes and plays for your team it's amazing Mm, yeah that's not how real football works because the lions went to the nfc championship game chicago is a team on the rise uh, you, you know, you have all sorts of teams with more cap space. The cap just went up. So there's going to be some drunken sailor spending from other teams that are desperate to win. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I don't think, have a great chance of landing big fish in free agency, no matter how much money they throw at them, because players are looking for teams that are on the cusp of winning Super Bowls. If the money is even, they're not going to come to a team that went seven and 10 last year and looks like it's it lost at sea a little bit. Um, w- with all that considered, what would your free agency approach be if they had Drake May or just, you know, McCarthy, Bo Nix, whoever they were drafting, if it, if it was a drafted quarterback? I'm more bullish on, on players wanting to go there because at the end of the day, it's if you make the biggest offer, the player wants to go there. Uh, <laughs> yes, they want to win for sure. They also want to, you know, fill their coffers with, with coin. Um, so, yeah, obviously it, it could be a challenge to have the strongest offer for some of those top end players. But yeah, I'm attacking the defensive line, especially if you let Daniil go. That's obviously the first kind of catalyst decision either direction. But we talked pre-show on the interior in particular. Um, 
you know, a guy that can that can one gap get upfield, rush the passer from the interior, to me, um, is like the most glaring weakness I think maybe for the entire roster. So I'm starting there. There's obviously the big flashy names, the guys that probably aren't going to make it to the market, like a Christian Wilkins. Um, but you know, there's good players, Sheldon Rankins. Like, there are that next tier, that middle tier of player. Um, you know, maybe take a risk on a guy like a Tiger Tart. Obviously, I have to figure out the the non football stuff there. But like, there are a bunch of good football players right below that top tier. Um, that I think would be a meaningful impact pretty much right away. Tyre Tart, known for being thrown out of a Vikings joint practice and Love having it. to play the first half of a preseason game that no other starters played <laughs> for the Titans and then being let go by his team despite being awesome at football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but That guy, yes. That guy. Yeah. But So I, I was thinking about Javon Kinlaw, and I don't like Javon Kinlaw when I watch him with my eyeballs, but I think that's the type of free agent that makes sense to me this year is players who are under 27 years old and that they have potential upside. And if I use Marcus Davenport as an example, everyone is going to vomit well listening to this. But uh, how about Byron Murphy as an example? Uh, As what they did last year was looked for a couple guys who were top picks, who underachieved but had played. And so you're hoping that you bring them in and there's more upside there and they can find their roles better. And I do believe if you play for Brian Flores, you have the best chance. If you can't make it with Brian Flores, then you're just not that good probably. And so I I think that if they looked for those guys this year and then the plan was for next year to try to go really big game hunting, if you're a year into that rookie that would be the best approach. But, you know, I mean, Brian Flores might also want football players on his team and for them to get somebody like Christian Wilkins. So you kind of have those two approaches of you could go big game hunting and you could try to get much better really fast through this year's free agency or take a little more of a slower approach with younger players hoping for upside and then go next year. Uh, do you like that plan? Do you hate that plan? No, I do. I do. And look, yeah, Kinlaw down to down was a lack of consistency, but you still do see flashes as a pass rusher. He's not good against the run, but you see flashes of like not many humans this size can move this, move this, you know, burstly off the line. Burstly, that's, that's a new word. Um, that's an early morning uh, indie word. Yeah. Burstly. Merriam-Webster. Check that out. Burstly. Um, no, like the, you, you see flashes of it. And yeah, I think it's a one-year flyer. He's not going to have a strong market. Um, that, that, that does make sense for sure. Like you're saying, like that's this is the bridge year. And then if you do want to make some ma- more major splashes, um, you, you start looking into those those deals. So, yeah, no, I think that, I think that type of player and I'm blanking now, but there are some other like caliber of player in that range as well um, that I think are taking shorter term, not that much money, um, young upside, all those things. And again, I get that there's like the, the, the sticker shock with, with Marcus Davenport, but the idea and the process was sound. The result obviously was not right. And I think there's some edge rushers that are definitely like that. Uh, AJ Epinesa is one guy. Uh, is it Uche from uh, Uche, yep. yeah, from Patriots. Uh, the Patriots yep. where, you know, those guys have shown that they can play in the NFL. Is there a little bit more? Uh, Bryce Huff is another guy from the New York Jets, who as a situational rusher was terrific. Could you sign him and give him a bigger role with Brian Flores and get more out of that? So I, I like that a little bit more. And I think that you should take your shot when it's time. But also, if there's pressure to win right away, you might have to take some bigger swings. I do think it's going to be hard for this team to get players of the top caliber with someone like the Lions having so much cap space in the Bears. Um, but I guess, you know, we'll see on that. Now, the other side of it is if they bring back her cousins. Then you have to, in my mind, go veteran shopping, but also cheaper veteran shopping. And you have to be really savvy. Now, this has not worked at all in the past. This is Delvin Tomlinson. This is Michael Pierce. This is Sheldon Richardson, part one and part two, neither of which were that great. So uh, that, that level of free agency, I think, is the hardest to play in, which is the let's get the second tier guy who is team let him go for a reason, but also, you know, has a history of maybe being pretty decent or impactful. How would you approach it if you were limited by the Kirk situation? It definitely gets tough. No, there's no question about it. And and the also probably you'd think would be trying to win though. And and so like trying to push in a little bit more with less resources that you're probably looking at like veterans. You're probably more in like a Fletcher Cox market or, or, or trying to court, you know, we mentioned Miami connections like an Andrew Van Ginkle on the edge or trying to leverage the, hey, you, you've played good football with Brian Flores in the past. You know, he puts you in position to succeed. It, it can work. And you've seen that. 
and we're a team that is trying to get a ring in the next two years or make a deep playoff run in the NFC. So it's tough, yeah, because I think you are spending on quarterback and you probably are trying to be a little bit more aggressive, at least this offseason, um, in adding more talent on defense too. Well, and they could go big game hunting if they were willing to kick all the money down the road and they might have to do that. I just think that's a hard thing to do because if you aim for those big stars and you miss out on them, then you're just kind of up a creek. But this we've seen some of these signings work out. I mean, Patrick Peterson worked out extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely well for them. And I thought, you know, I mean, Delvin Tomlinson was also a very good player for them. It's not that they never work. It's just that the impact is usually limited. There's only so much, again, another player I have immense respect for Jordan Hicks. There's only so much that a Jordan Hicks can do. That guy is more of a final piece than the piece that's going to change, which is fundamentally the, the difficult, uh, thing about working around a Kirk Cousins contract, as everybody knows so well. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you is just how does Kirk Cousins contract situation work? Um, everybody's heard about the $28 million dead cap if he goes. Does that make it for a hard deadline of March 13th where they need to bring him back by then or let him go? Like that decision needs to be made because the 28 million kicks in or can that be dealt with? Cause I've looked at that more like a, that's a deadline. They need an answer from Kirk and, and they're going to have their number and so forth. Um, but what, like, what do we need to know about Kirk cousins contract details uh, that pertain to this whole decision? Yeah. Well, I guess if they were making significant headway and thought they were going to get a deal done, then you could ask to push the void date back. Right. So, all right. Like clearly like, we're going to get this done. We've agreed in principle on the high level numbers, um, but we're not quite at the finish line yet, but we don't want this to void. And you saw them do it last year or two years ago with Dalvin Tomlinson, um, you, you know, saying, Hey, the date was originally this. Now it's after uh, the tag window, after all these things. Um, if you think you're at the finish line with Kirk, but it's not quite done, say, hey, let's make it March 30th, and that way we can keep those cap hits spread out. Um, but that would be, effectively, the deal would be agreed to in principle at that right. point. So basically, it's a deadline, yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, is there anything else we need to know about that $28 million? Is that That is just gone. That is just over with and done after this year, and no, then yeah. you're good to go. Nothing you can do with it. Can't manipulate it in any way. But yeah, take take the dead cap hit, and then, like you said, 2025, the, the sky's open. That sounds pretty attractive to me. Uh, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Well, we'll see uh, what ends up happening here, of course, and uh, we'll have more information when we talk to Quasi Adafalmensa and Kevin O'Connell again here at the NFL Combine and uh, lots more interviews and conversations to go. Thanks for stopping by, man. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Folks, have you ever heard of test driving a phone network? I did not make this up. It is an actual thing. And U.S. Cellular is letting you test drive their network for free for 30 days. You can try out U.S. Cellular wherever you have that spotty service, like on your commute to work, that one spot in your house where your service dips. Test drive U.S. Cellular at your kid's school on parent-teacher night. Okay, maybe still pay attention, but by all means, make sure you test it. It's as easy as doing a little boop, boop, boop on your phone. That was me getting the app to try it out. I know, great sound effects there. Test Drive U.S. Cellular's award-winning network for 30 days. U.S. Cellular built for us. Terms apply. Awards based on open signal independent data. Visit uscellular.com for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar, along with CBS Sports Draft Analyst Chris Trapasso inside the Indiana Convention Center here. And you know what I want to talk about, Chris, is you just flew in last night. We did a podcast inside a hotel room that was not the best lit or the perfect background for us. Now we got a little bit better sitting near your window here in the convention center. It's official. 
but you had a whole evening to wander about. And if people have never been to Indianapolis before, it is a very walkable city. And I think that's what the NFL likes about it is that in the evening time, you go from place to place, you see who's out, you kind of hang out, talk football. And I think probably for about six hours last night, I was just out talking ball, saw you out as well. So we should just talk about the buzz from Indy. I think that's what everyone would like to know. So I will just start with this, that I had numerous people say to me, and, and this could be just other reporters or people in the league or whatever, that they don't think that the Vikings are going to be able to put up the biggest offer mm. for Kirk Cousins. Not that they don't think the Vikings want Kirk Cousins back, but that there's going to be another team that's going to put up more money for the Minnesota Vikings. That was kind of the biggest thing that I was like, oh, a lot of people think that Atlanta or Vegas and someone told me, like, don't, you know, count out the Broncos as part of this. So that's like my new favorite take, like, oh, buzz and indie Broncos. Keep your eye on that for the Vikings. So I love it. That's that's kind of what I heard, because every person I talk to sometimes as other beat reporters, I met a beat reporter from the Lions. So we're talking about the division stuff. They're like, what are they going to do? They're just bringing back Kirk, you know, that kind of thing. Everyone wants to know. What's going to happen there? Now, you are much more of a prospect guy, much more of a scouting guy. So what were you hearing as you were chatting it up last night in Indy? Well, first off, you're totally right that that's like part of what you need to do when you're here at the Combine yeah. is, is go out, talk to people, beat reporters, scouts, agents are everywhere. Normally, this is like the sixth, fifth or sixth time that I've been here. And normally you go around and you get that buzz or you're looking for that. You just, what's great is you can just nerd out with everyone. It's not like, oh, I'm talking with my friends at home and it's like I'm going into the seventh round defensive tackles. Like you can do that here and it's totally fine. Like people like that. Normally, there's not really a consensus. You talk to one guy and he says, uh, I, I don't like this wide receiver. Then you turn around 20 minutes later, you're talking to a girl and she says, oh, we think that this team loves this wide receiver. Almost a consensus from three separate people, which I think in one night getting the same thing from three different people, buzz is pretty good. Um, that JJ McCarthy is probably not going to be on the board when the Vikings pick at 11. Now it's early and he still has to work out, but like these people that were in the scouting uh, field, let's say, were like very confident about it, which again, no one knows for sure, but it was not like, oh, maybe he could be there at, at you know, later in the first and the Vikings are going to probably pick him. It was, he may not even be there by 11, that it seems as though right now, pre-workout for JJ McCarthy, that the quote unquote, the NFL, that could be the whole NFL or one team or 10 teams likes JJ McCarthy more than I think Matthew Collar and the media in general. So that was interesting because we've talked about him as, you know, potential option B or C for the Vikings just to stay put, pick him at 11. And that was how I kind of broached that topic. I was like, what do you think about JJ McCarthy to the Vikings? And all three responses were he might not even be there. And, you know, I, I've mentioned this uh, on the show before, but even when I did an article with a couple of former scouts and was just chatting with them, they were very high on JJ McCarthy as well. And I just am going to have to have you explain it to me because, <laughs> all right, so let, let's talk about if they're, if he is off the board by the time the Vikings are picking, where would he be going? Like, does that mean that a somebody likes him more than Jaden Daniels? Because I, I could actually see that. And maybe I'm wrong to doubt Jaden Daniels. Maybe like he's so fast and he's so physically gifted that someone's just going to be like, all right, you got to take him. But we fell for that trap with Malik Willis. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the third I, round. I have made fun of it before. And I know that you fell victim a little bit to that yeah. as well. The traits, the tools, mm -hmm. and assuming mm -hmm. that the NFL would just buy into that. Now, with Daniels, he's a much better prospect than Malik Willis, in my mind. The guy won the Heisman, yeah. unbelievable statistics and performance, but it was a smaller sample size, and he does have some of that slow, like, should I throw the ball? Should I throw the ball? Oh, I'm sacked, and it was the hardest sack ever, and an NFL guy would murder me. Like, there's a lot of that on yeah. this tape. Would that throw the NFL off a little bit or those top teams from making him their franchise quarterback and instead feel McCarthy is a safer option? Or do we think four quarterbacks could go in the top 10? That seems preposterous. It seems like somebody would have to drop. Well, to me, it it might be Drake May at this point, based on some more buzz that it's what you just outlined with Jaden Daniels. Not that 
he would get picked because he won the Heisman, but the speed that he fits that modern profile that, that teams are just so into. And there's such a trend to find those highly athletic quarterbacks, the deep ball touch. I mean, again, you could argue for out for hours or days on it. Was it Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas that really helped him out? But th- there were a lot of deep strikes down the field and that what I actually was hearing is that it could be the giants at six that picked JJ McCarthy. Because Joe Shane and Brian Dable worked with Josh Allen. Not that McCarthy is a Josh Allen type, like like he's not to that level athletically with the arm, but he's leaning in that direction as opposed to being mobile and not having a strong arm. He he does have that long, linky arms delivery yep. and wild fastballs that there you go. kind of go everywhere. And Josh Allen was able to work out the kinks there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you'd be betting on yep. with somebody like JJ McCarthy. Uh, so we've got. I'm not sure what the Patriots are going to do. They don't seem like a quarterback team to me because they have so many needs. They could for sure. Washington feels like a guarantee. Yep. Chicago also feels well, nothing's a guarantee, but Chicago also feels like they as close as be, you're going to get to a right, guarantee, yeah. a lock to be able to do that. And then Atlanta, I think, is going to find somebody else, whether Veteran. it's Fields, whether it's Mayfield, whether it's Cousins, we'll see. Would that leave the possibility of Drake May just being available at 11? That seems like I made it up. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. We've seen crazier things happen. Maybe, I mean, let's think about this. Last year, no one expected Will Levis to be, I mean, there was a little sliver of the draft industry that was like, oh, I don't, I'm out on Will Levis, but I don't think anyone expected him to go to the second round like like realistically it was oh he could be the quarterback who slips a little bit maybe he's not in the top 10 or top 16 but he goes somewhere in the back half of the of the first he goes in the second so we have definitely seen crazier things happen you mentioned it um yesterday about drake may does have some awkwardness or some throws directly to linebackers when there's someone open right over him um so he right now it seems like He's either the one or there's a team that wants him to fall. Maybe it's the Vikings. Um, so it, I don't think at all. I just said, you know, Caleb Williams going to the Bears is as close to a guarantee as you can get. Just penciling in or writing in pen Drake May to the commanders at two. I do not think that is guaranteed right now. Okay, let's let's do this off off the dome a little bit here. Let's try to figure out what it would look like for the Vikings to get. Drake made okay, let's number do it. 11. Since this is your buzz, this is your... Uh, yeah, this was talk, the talk, talk last talking night. Talking to folks uh, that J.J. McCarthy could go in the top 10. So if we assume Caleb Williams goes number one, and you think Jaden to, to Washington. To the commanders of Cliff Kingsbury worked with Caleb Williams, athleticism, all that. Second okay. best option. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. I could also see Washington coming in at the very last minute to Chicago and being like, okay, let's give you a bunch of draft. They're still Washington until further notice. <laughs> they're still Washington. They still in the NFL PA survey completely crap the bed with a new owner. So they're going to have to prove that until they're not. Uh, but let's just go with that. All right. Then we have the Patriots and this is a team that could trade down potentially if they are not drafting a quarterback. If they are, are they a JJ McCarthy potential team? Because then they could draft him bring in Andy Dalton or whatever and play play it out for a year. Jacoby Brissett's Tank. available. They could bring him right. back. Yeah. Tank for a year without him starting and then plan to build up their roster for the next year. That seems like not a bad plan if the league is this high on J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it seems like it's still somewhat early in the pre-draft process, but we are here at the Combine and we have seen higher ascents for quarterbacks that have happened faster, like from March to April, 2021 we were talking this time about could the vikings maybe pick zach wilson oh he could maybe go in the i think he's going to go maybe higher than top 15 top 20 and he goes number two overall so for jj mccarthy if he has a good workout um again i don't think it it's going to move the needle a ton what he does here in indy but if if the workout is on the better side or more closer to elite athleticism than just above average patriots at three certainly wouldn't be totally bananas and that's not to say that i think drake may there's no chance he goes three but again i think for the longest time people like myself just thought oh it's going to be caleb williams and then drake may and then figure it out that i don't think is the case okay so if the patriots do not draft a quarterback and okay. instead they say all right it's marvin harrison, marvin harrison whatever. neighbors whatever yeah. uh a lineman i'm sure there's a lineman who's high right you're not high on the top lineman but that's for a different podcast we don't okay yeah yeah yeah. we're not going to talk lineman. um (laughs) 
left tackle set. That's all we need to know. But uh, it's all right. So you've got the Chargers and you have the Cardinals. And I believe the Cardinals this time on Twitter. They are not to be believed on Twitter after the Josh Rosen incident. <laughs> but I actually believe them. I think their plan is similar to the Lions where they're sort of tanking around a franchise quarterback. It's bold, but it worked once upon a time for Atlanta with Matt Ryan, where they had a down year kind of pop back up. Yep. And it really worked for Detroit. And it's not that crazy of a thing to do around Kyler Murray is just get him a receiver, build the team around him. So I don't think they're trading Kyler. And that's where you land with the New York Giants. So this could be McCarthy. But if McCarthy does go, that could also be Drake May. Mm-hmm. And that would mean to me that if it's realistic that four quarterbacks could go in the first six, which would be freaking insane, yeah. that the Vikings have to trade up. At that point, if they want Drake May to go up and get in this scenario, so this is talking about just a, a buzz scenario, they would have to make a trade with Arizona or the Los Angeles Chargers because they would have an idea that get the over the Giants, Giants at six. Yeah, that the Giants were going to do that, which, of course, that's better for the Vikings than having to go all the way up to three because that's going to cost an arm and a leg if it's. Even two more draft spots, that could be the difference in a second-round pick or something like that, a very valuable asset. So I, it's probably, I think, the most likely that they would have to trade up for Drake May. But just from one night in, in Indy, it seemed like the door kind of was propped open a little bit that, like you are saying at the beginning, that Drake May could be the one that f- – Balls. And we actually heard like two weeks ago, Lance Zerline on Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah said that he already heard pre-combine that Drake May was going to be the one who falls. There's always one. Um, so but now I think talking to multiple people and I certainly respect the heck out of Lance, but to hear it from a lot of people thinking like that could be the case. The window is open a little bit where that's dream scenario. Drake may don't have to do anything. You just pick him at 11. So this doesn't change my opinion that Drake may is the best possible quarterback for Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings. It only makes it a little more exciting and possible that he could be available to them because the best case scenario for the Vikings, if they're drafting a quarterback is clearly to just take them at 11. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I also got the sense and the people, I guess you can call me a bad scout or maybe we'll see as it plays out. But from last night that people don't view and then look, I say people, people I talk to, there, there's thousands of people here, but not viewing Bo Nix as being a guy who you would take at number 11. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it that way. So explain this to me. What is it about J.J. McCarthy that has captivated the masses? Because I've watched it. I'm not sure what I am not seeing that's supposed to be there. When people talk to me about McCarthy and again, would be all in on that decision. If the Vikings drafted him, if Kevin O'Connell likes him, then I'm, you know, good Former good, quarterback. Good. Yeah. I'm going to say that a thousand times because I'm just telling you what I see and what I think, but not like knowing what Kevin O'Connell thinks or what they want to do. Uh, but it's a lot of, you have to picture it, you know, those fans of the golden girls, you ever watch golden girls Oh yeah. where, uh, the mother says, picture it. You know, Sicily, 1923. Yeah, or yeah, it's like, yeah, picture yeah. it, McCarthy in the NFL doing things he never did in college. <laughs> like, well, I'm maybe I'm not good at that. Like, maybe I'm just not good at envisioning stuff that I didn't really see with J.J. McCarthy. But you've been higher on him than me. So you explain to me what it would be that your scouting friends are seeing with McCarthy that everyone is falling in love with that I am missing. I think, and this is not anything that I heard in particular, but I think that there is, when it comes to scouts and coaches, for as much as you and I can sit here and say, hey, like he has this weakness, that weakness, you don't want to have any weaknesses going into the NFL or very minimal. It seems like the NFL almost wants to develop a guy and say like, oh, I can fix that. I And with J.J. McCarthy, I think, and the combine will give us a little bit of a sense how close they are. Uh, athletically and from a physical perspective, McCarthy's a little bigger, and I think he's a little bit more athletic with a little bit of a stronger arm than Bo Nix. And what I and this is going back to more buzz stuff. I was not in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. All three of those people that I talked to in the league were, oh my God, Bo Nix Senior Bowl was horrible. Yeah. Now I am someone. I think the Senior Bowl should matter about. 0.01% because it is this throw and it's you're you're evaluating practice with guys that have played with that that haven't played with these guys practiced at all with the receivers running routes whatever but apparently that 
is the thing for teams like that's kind of like we're saying that that it, it's it's different for for me to talk about it you to talk about it and teams and it was like it was so bad his footwork was terrible when he wasn't in this perfectly insulated culture and system at Oregon he looked kind of out of sorts and that they were pointing back to other quarterbacks in the years past that have not done well at the senior bowl guys like Jalen Hurts have done well that kind of boosted their stock or maybe showed that they were more NFL ready than the entire league thought um so I think those things, J.J. McCarthy being that moldable piece of clay and that Bo Nix had his opportunity going there to the Senior Bowl. If, if he had a Jalen Hurts, and we've used that comparison, very comfortable, the footwork was good, the accuracy was good, had a strong week of practice and then played well in the game, then we would be talking about him probably in this, in terms of buzz, to be in that second tier, middle of the first round. But I think the fact that McCarthy wasn't there actually did a lot for him because Penix and Bo Nix really did not have great weeks in Mobile. So let's just say that uh, Mr. McCarthy does go in the top 10, and so does Drake May. Mm. And now we're talking four quarterbacks out of the top 10, and the Minnesota Vikings, they worked their phones, and they couldn't make offers because the teams were like, this is our guy. Just like what happened with Anthony Richardson last year, they made the calls, but it didn't end up playing out because that was the Colts guy, and they were going to take him the whole time. Uh, that seems bad for the Vikings if they're obviously in the market for a quarterback. And I guess you could see why they keep talking about wanting Kirk Cousins back, because if you envision this happening, then you're a little bit up a creek if you don't think that Bo Nix is that guy, if you think he's more of a second-round quarterback, if you think Michael Penix is more of a late first or second-round type of player what would the Vikings do there? Let's talk about not just the draft, but also who's playing quarterback <laughs> at that point. Like well, how they still need to draft one, no matter what does this turn into try to get Jimmy Garoppolo here because he's played in this type of system before ish. I mean, I say that, but the systems are so complicated now. Mm -hmm, They're not sure. just, Hey, run the boots with Gary Kubiak. It's like, there's a lot of intricacies to it, but he's run a Kyle Shanahan offense to the Super Bowl. Uh, so you look at him, do you look, you know, Sam Darnold's name is coming out, Baker Mayfield, do you all of a sudden sort of back up a Brinks truck for him for a couple of years? Because you're going to, you're not going to be 100% sure, though, when you make this decision, because Baker Mayfield is going to be a free agent in March, and then you draft <laughs> then. But if, but if they come out of here thinking, we're not going to be able to get these guys, then they might have to make a phone call to Baker Mayfield. You need a real starter. You couldn't just be like, oh, let's just bring in Jacoby Brissett and win six games. I don't think that that's their mentality. Mm -hmm. And then, so give me a give me a pairing. Give me a, if McCarthy was off the board and May and Williams, like how, how do they, and Daniels, who do they put at quarterback in that room for next year? Well, I think the scheme fit does certainly make sense with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Sam Darnold to be that, hey, like we've seen you play at a reasonable level in the system, but we don't expect you to be the guy forever. But with the talent around you and, and with Kevin O'Connell and, and Josh McCown, a great coaching staff um, to maybe win 10 games and get into the playoffs, win nine games, go nine and eight, sneak into the playoffs. And, and again, like I was saying, that they are – not a tanking regime where they're like, let's just tank and, and, and be, you know, and look ahead to next year, one year prior to that. Um, so those two that you brought up would make sense. The one other name, because I am more of a draft guy, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, if, if they're just out on Penix, they don't think he's mobile enough or he goes earlier than they pick in the second round, whatever the case may be Penix or Spencer Rattler to me is someone that at 19 years old, was at at Oklahoma really cemented himself or I guess he seemingly cemented himself as this guy's going to be a, maybe the first overall pick whenever he comes out regresses at Oklahoma goes to South Carolina and although South Carolina's teams were not very good I thought the last two years he was rock solid and he showed those whoa that was a fade away 40 yards down the field there were some a, a lot of sacks his pressure to sack rate was right around Jaden Daniels the offensive line was not very good so he he has some athleticism but he's not going to elude sacks like Patrick Mahomes he's someone that I think it has the mobility is well experienced at the college level can be the boot action guy and you're picking him third round probably I mean depending on on how well his workout is but I think he's kind of a, a dark horse name that could rise up the boards someone that played a lot of football through a 
ton of big time throws early in his college career at 19 years old and then kind of did that later at South Carolina in the SEC. Spencer Rattler has sort of been the draft analyst's quarterback. Yes, like, uh, that is, I'm, I'm on the train. Him, right, and his uh, senior bowl where uh, Rick Spielman, who does a podcast with CBS Sports, yep. he mentioned with uh, Ryan Wilson that he thought Rattler might have been the best quarterback there in the way that he performed, which I I know that you don't weigh it heavily, but it seems The NFL does. The yes. NFL definitely yeah. does. That's their first look. It's their first impression. It matters the most. Famously, Dave Gettleman saw two seconds of Daniel Jones or something and <laughs> decided yes. he was the guy or whatever, um, which was the kind of the old school scout way of uh, doing it. But there's still that ingrained of, like, this is my first thought on uh, that guy. And I guess if you were asking, if the, if the Vikings are not super high on Penix, would you rather them take him in the second or Rattler? It's obviously Rattler because he even now I like Penix still, but Rattler would be the younger, higher ceiling, not as much injury and someone who's moldable for Kevin O'Connell. Mm-hmm. I'm never a big believer in the second rounder, the third rounder, because history is just not very no, kind not. to those people. I also think that despite your buzz, I still just can't see four quarterbacks in the top 10. Yeah, it'll be pretty surprising. Too, too much. Uh, I love it for a scenario to talk about, but I just don't I don't, just don't see it. And I keep wondering, like, does somebody want Drake May to drop? Like, who wants drop him to drop? Because it's just been so solidified for so long that he was this elite prospect. And then all of a sudden you get here and then, well. It's weird how that happens, right? Every yeah, year. right. Maybe, maybe he's not. But let's go down that road a little farther, though, uh, as far as the I mean, free agents and options. I would say Baker Mayfield is the best option mm-hmm. to do that on a short contract yes. that they could get out of a Geno Smith type of deal where you could be legitimately good with him on offense. He just got done with a very good season throwing to great receivers, and he'd be doing that again. If you weren't looking to spend the money, though. I'm out on the Jimmy Garoppolo idea. He just is too hurt for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as him as actually as a quarterback, I mean, he's had a lot of success. He would sign him and then suddenly be like, oh, we're back to where we were because he's hurt. He's going to have a hip injury yeah. or something. Like, it's just going to happen. He he. We were joking about you know Jaden Daniels getting himself hurt, but Jimmy Garoppolo's done that for his whole career. Mm-hmm. It has to be of that Baker Mayfield level or I guess someone like Darnold, but I don't even love that idea unless it's paired with someone I think is going to be the future quarterback. You could feel a little bit up a creek, but what would they be doing at number 11 in that case if there were four quarterbacks going at the top and the league was this high on McCarthy? Okay, so I'll tell you a name in, and you tell me if he's someone that or the position makes sense. Byron Murphy from Texas. He, to me, is should be the first interior defensive lineman off the board. And to me, when it comes to de- interior defensive linemen, they need to be like super explosive, can get you 40 to 60 or 70 pressures, six to 12 sacks. Like anyone else, any big body. I mean, nothing against Jordan Davis, but I thought that pick two years ago, like by the Eagles, was a weird one because he was. And I, I, I know he tested through the roof, but he was so big. He's had some conditioning weight problems being in the NFL, can't play all the time. I want my guy to be. Ed Oliver to Aaron Donald, somewhere in that range. And to me, Byron Murphy on film, the explosiveness, the production was there at at a big-time school at Texas. Um, And it feels like, to me, it's like I'm in my head trying to think, what defensive positions do the Vikings need? And I think that's a lot of them. And and interior of the defensive line, you could say, oh, like the run stopping might need to be better. But you tell me, like, would that make sense um, in terms of what they need? Because I think he's a premier prospect at that spot. Uh, if you told me that they should go out this offseason and get three defensive tackles, I would okay. say yes, okay. because they have just been so empty at that position for so long. And when they had their best defenses, Linval Joseph was there Sharif just Floyd. annihilating yeah. people yep. in the middle. Right. Sharif Floyd, had he stayed healthy, would have probably had a really good career. Yeah, true. It just the, you know, the injuries got him, but he was super talented. He was a problem in 2015 for a defense that was elite and won the division that year. And that's what you're looking for again, because they just have not been able to create any pressure. Interior pressure. And, and the way I look at interior pressure is – And I know that there have been some statistical studies on it and so forth, and more fumbles come from the edge rushers. So when you look at EPA per play or whatever, the pressures from the edge are probably causing more problems and sacks from the edge are causing more problems. But from a quarterback's perspective, I asked Nick Mullins about this one time. I was like, what's the difference between edge and interior pressure? And he's like, edge pressure you can step out of, like you step up in the pocket, right? 
And that doesn't mean Miles Garrett won't kill you sometimes. But <laughs> if let's just say pressure, though, and not a sack, you can step uh, up in the pocket away from edge pressure. There is no answer for interior pressure. No. And there are 50 edge rushers who are good. There are eight interior rushers who are good. And so teams game plan the hell out of those defensive ends. And sometimes they still lose, but it's always part of every week's game plan is like, oh, this week we play Max Crosby. This week we play Miles Garrett. This week we play TJ Watt. And so they know how to deal with these players. They have plans for them. I don't know that there is a plan for an interior rusher of this talent. The Vikings put in last year CJ Ham on third down and long. And this was an interesting little wrinkle, but I, I mean, I liked it, of course. And he would block help the guards because they were sending so much pressure on the interior. That's where their weakness was. Very clever. Most teams are not putting their fullback in on third and 10 to block interior. <laughs> so it's just your guys versus our guys. And if you can win in that scenario, you crush them. And also, the I mean, the run defense has been less than spectacular uh, in recent years. I mean, I, I just think this is such a big need and probably the most underappreciated value position in the entire league. Yeah, and let's broaden this out a little bit. This is kind of like the inverse conversation of what we've had that I kind of borrowed it from you a few years ago. I, I kind of was thinking about it a lot that, that you said that you believed wide receiver was the second most valuable position. I'm 100% of that belief. But then I also factor in, oh, but there's also like a million awesome wide receivers. It's the inverse because, like you said, there's just not a lot of quality interior pass rushers. You can get quality run stoppers, third round, fourth round, fifth round, like even late into day three. Big bodies that can eat blockers. That's not what I mean. I mean true difference makers on the inside. So for as much as someone listening or watching would say, oh, defensive tackle, like it's not that valuable of a position because the guys like Nick Bosa and Max Crosby and TJ Watt have, have garnered so much attention and rightfully so there's a lot of them. Like every team has at least like one stud outside rusher to be able to maybe get the first interior defense alignment in the class. And one that I truly believe is will warrant a, a top 11 overall pick in this case in Byron Murphy. It wouldn't be the best case scenario. That would be quarterback obviously. And just picking the one that, that the GM and Kevin O'Connell like the most but that would be a good fallback option to say, look, like it didn't work out. Four quarterbacks went in front of us, but we got someone at maybe by the book, not the most valuable position, but one that is very scarce to find someone who can be that difference maker inside on the defensive line. And let me ask you one more question for this podcast. We'll do one more from Indy uh, about, you know, more buzz that we'll pick up on tonight and uh, more dudes of what's going on. But the defensive lineman talked today, mm -hmm. and I'm very curious about who might be available early in the second round where the Vikings are 42 if they are to draft quarterback in the first or even if they went two defensive linemen, not crazy at all by by any means. Who intrigues you? Like who would you look at and say, you know what, if you're going second round, you're looking for Brian Flores to mold someone into a beast. Take a look at. X, Y, or Z. Okay, there's three guys that I'll that I'll name here. Uh, the first one, very unique, interesting, Braden Fiske from Florida State. Okay, like yep. six. He had a great senior. senior bowl. He's a yep. big yep. senior yep. bowl guy, yep. and, and that's again, I I don't factor it in myself, but I, I realize I have to a little more in terms of when guys are going to be picked because the NFL destroyed the senior bowl, destroyed the senior bowl practices and the game. He's interesting, and I say that because he's like, I forgot what his exact numbers were, but like six five. Just under two, he's like 295, and he has like the shortest, he has like 31 inch arms. So it's like, what the hell? But on film, twitchy, he, he has all of those elements, not to the level of Byron Murphy, but twitchy. The get off is there, can sustain speed to the quarterback. A lot of times, guys along like the defensive line, they get out of their stance in a hurry, and then it just like stalls. And it's just like, okay, it was just your burst, and then that's not it. Fisky can get out of his stance in a hurry, and then continue into the backfield the pass rush moves are there and i think because of his shorter arms and that he's a kind of a late bloomer he was at western michigan and transferred to florida state um a little older he's probably going to be available at at 42 um michael hall from ohio state to me is like the byron murphy light in this class that if you can't get byron murphy 
and you want that quote unquote undersized interior pass rusher. And I don't really even think at 290 or undersized anymore. Michael Hall from Ohio State watches film like a lot of Ohio State guys, whether it's wide receiver or corner or defensive line, very well coached. The pass rush moves are there. The first step quickness, a lot of what I just said about Fisky is certainly there. And then one other that I think will probably go in the first round, but he, he could be there in the early stages of the second. Darius Robinson from Missouri. He's the other one, similarly sized, a little bit lighter, like 6'5", 286. Is he tweenish to He's you? He's a little tweener, which that was a phrase that was used way back, like, oh, is he a 3-4 outside linebacker or a 4-3? We don't really get that as much, and he, I think most people will have him as an edge, but he is like that, the, the scouting phrase, like he's the first guy off the bus. Like he is 6'5", 286 with like 0% body fat. Same. And, and yes, Matt looks very similar to Darius Robinson. Um, if you wanted to bulk him up to like 295, 300, he can play inside the arms. He's got vines for arms, like not like Braden Fiske, who's got 31 inch arms. I, I don't remember what Robinson's exact measurements were, but 34, 35 inch arms. And the pass rush moves are there. The athleticism is there. He's someone where Brian Flores, you said like a plug him in and use him everywhere. That would be Darius Robinson where Again, way crazier things have happened where it seems like he'll probably go late in the first, but if he was there at you know, 38, 39, and they had to trade like an extra six to move up a couple spots to get him, he would be really an interesting piece for Brian Flores to be able to mold up front on the defense. All right, here's what we'll do. Tomorrow, we'll talk about some more buzz. Buzz. So you got to go out tonight. Okay. And then we'll talk about some more dudes that the Vikings should be keeping their eyes on in case of X, Y, and Z scenario. CBS Sports, Chris Trapasso, draft analyst, and me. So here we are, Indy. We'll catch you next time. Football. Football.